0: Hollow Mountain Publishing presents My Castle, book two of the Appalachian Storm series, written and performed by Diana Kilpak. Chapter 40, Saving Nora. It was the most beautiful thing I ever saw. Kluxy sat back, facing Jackson. The whole block lit up like it was the 4th of July. Jackson turned to Hank. How many malice were living there? Hank shrugged. I don't know. More than 70. Jackson chuckled, shaking his head. And here I thought the Chicago trip was going to be a complete bust. Jackson was lying on the bed, his chest still covered in bandages. He was talking freely with everyone in the room, even David, as he accepted his apology. He had not said a single word to Katie, nor had he looked in her direction. Candy was standing on the other side of the room, listening intently but not making a comment. Any news on the old church where your mom was seen entering? David asked Candy directly, No, we haven't been able to see inside yet. Jackson gave Candy a quick glance, smiling reassuringly at her. His whole body turned away from Katie. Candy straightened her shoulders. Justin came up with a plan. We thought we should wait and get the okay from you guys before we implement it. Zack stepped forward, where's Justin now? He's on the way over. Jackson said. Zack was standing right next to Katie. Jackson looked directly at him and still not acknowledged her presence in the room. She folded her arms, waiting for him to look at her. She didn't say a word as she slowly felt like she was dying inside. It didn't take long for Justin. Joel, and Nathan to enter the already full bedroom. Katie moved further in out of Jackson's range of sight. She gave the three pure hearts a tight smile. They each gave her a welcoming hello before they started giving their report. We had a mock fight with the Seekers like you asked us to do, Katie. Nathan said with a grin. Some of the Seekers went a little overboard and started calling us pure farts. They started telling us how we were swamping them with our numbers, thinking up the place. The younger purehearts decided they wanted to join in the fight until a couple of us had to pull them over and tell them it was just for show. Joel pitched in. We now eat at separate times, trying to show hard feelings are growing. We snap at each other whenever one of the traitor purehearts are around. Nathan said, We don't know if they're traitors, Katie said quickly. They may just be fooled by Lizzie. You say potato, I'll say potato, Nathan said with a grin. Jackson said you had a plan for the old church house, David said to Justin. The concern in his voice evident, yeah, problem we see. If we get close, they can smell we're around. They start acting funny, changing into animal form, smell in the air. Justin said, we're afraid if we get too close, they will panic. Nora is in there. They will kill her before we could get close enough to grab her, Nathan explained. It's obvious they're guarding something because two are always outside, walking a perimeter, Justin said. Have you tried projecting? Katie couldn't help asking. Justin nodded. We were thinking about doing that next. Once we get inside, and it is Nora, how do we get out without them finding out we have her? Nathan shrugged. We were thinking if two of us go inside, one of us could walk Nora out while the other projects Nora is still in the church. When she is safe, The rest could come and attack. Pure Heart in the church could defend themselves better than Nora could. That seems risky. What happens if we get Nora out and Lizzie goes after another member of the black family? Zack asked, who's to stop her from going after David's mom or dad? David straightened, his jaw tightening at the thought. I think if Nora is safe, it will be a free-for-all to anyone in the Black family or Katie's mom, Zach said. We can't just leave Nora there, Katie said in defense. No, we can make them think Nora is still there. Katie had been saying the same thing for the last couple of days. She decided to reiterate it again. Obviously, you've been thinking about a solution. Why don't you just tell us what's on your mind? Zack gave her a grin before turning to Candy. Will your mom notice the difference between the malice? Candy shook her head. She rarely notices the help. Zack's grin got bigger. I suggest we get Nora out, just like Justin suggests. Then we can start replacing malice with seekers that look like them. Every time Candy's mom comes to visit to make sure little Nora is alive, the pure hearts that are standing in can project Nora. No one will be the wiser until we're ready to cut the cord. David rubbed the back of his neck in frustration. I want to check out that church immediately. The thought of my little sister around those monsters is more than I can stand. Don't worry, David. Zach assured him, we'll get her out. We just need to put in replacements so the rest of your family is safe. We only have one seeker that looks like a malice, Katie inserted. The other seekers woke up from the sleeping sickness except for one. Candy said. I think the Seekers are thinking about killing the one before he wakes up on the full moon. I wonder what makes them devoted to one side over the other, Katie said softly. Kluxy rolled his eyes. Here we go again. Katie looked around the room. She could see everyone's expression, except for Jackson's, who studiously did not look in her direction. David shook his head. You're trying to save everyone again. I just don't see how it's a lost cause, Katie pointed out. If we can figure out how they follow orders, maybe we can save this guy. Yeah, yeah, Zack nodded. Here we go again. I'm just saying. We already know what you're going to say, Zack interrupted her. Well, then let me say it. Anyone can kill the guy. Why don't we see if he can follow our orders instead of the others? The great wolf is full of compassion as well as courage. Who else would be willing to go down into the underground compound with me to set off the gas? Hank said. The room became silent, all eyes resting on her. Katie looked around the room at the startled expressions until they rested on Jackson's angry eyes. He had finally turned and faced her. You were the one who went down and faced over 70 malice to set off the gas. Katie shrugged. I was the one with the most powerful projection. Out, Jackson said softly. Everyone out. Right now. His voice ringing with authority. Everyone immediately left the room except for David who folded his arms and waited. Katie decided it was time for her to leave as well. Where do you think you're going? You said everyone was to leave. Jackson pushed the covers out of the way, slowly getting up, his face turning white with the strain. He faced David. Can I have a moment of privacy with Katie, Great Tiger? He said with respect in his voice. David looked at Katie, then back at Jackson. Giving him a quick nod, he left the room. Jackson, we get back in bed. You're hurting yourself. He continued to walk towards her till he was even with her. He proceeded to back her up till she was against the wall. You need to make me a promise, Katie. You will never do anything so stupid like walking into a compound with 70 malice. Katie shook her head. I'm in this fight just like everyone else. I had to argue half the night with David before he finally agreed to let me do it. Jackson shook his head. Katie, you're the glue that makes everyone willing to work together. If something happened to you, we would all be fighting amongst ourselves. It was no big deal. Jackson moved closer to her, resting his forehead against hers. I can only let you go if I know you're safe. I don't want you to let me go. He came closer till his mouth touched hers. She wrapped her arms around his neck, careful not to touch his injuries, and leaned into the kiss. She matched his hunger with her own, not wanting the kiss to end. Promise me, Katie, he said into her lips. Katie had no idea what he was talking about and no longer cared to follow the conversation. She only wanted to fill his body next to hers and kiss him forever. Promise me, Jackson insisted. Katie shook her head. She knew if she made the promise, he would leave her. She hung on to him, realizing he was trembling with her touch. She had a power over him as much as he had over her. I will not be able to fight with you gone. I'm not going anywhere. Okay, promise me. If you get into a situation where you're in trouble, you will call me regardless of anything else between us. You will call me. I won't allow anything to get between us. Jackson reached down, kissing her again. He acted as if he couldn't get enough of her. He pulled away. If there does come a time when you feel like you can't come to me if you get into trouble, you will call me regardless of how you personally feel about me. She looked into his clear blue eyes. I promise I'll come to you or call you if I get into any trouble. Jackson touched her forehead with his lips and gently kissed her again. Letting her go, he slowly walked back to the bed. She could see how the recent actions had completely drained him. It's been over four days. Shouldn't you be getting better? He eased into the bed and lay down. I can feel myself getting stronger, but I'm obviously going to need a few more days. He gave her a quick smile. I'll definitely be ready to fight by the full moon, if that's what you're worried about. I just don't like seeing you in pain. He reached out and grabbed her hand as if he couldn't help himself. Katie, I don't want you to come and see me. Katie frowned. I don't understand. He gave her a steady look. I have to break away. It's the only way. I still don't understand. You have to be with David. I don't have to be David's girlfriend. I just have to stand by and support him. It's the same thing. No, it's not. Jackson sighed. Katie, all of us have to be at their best for the coming fight. You can't be pulled in two different directions by two different guys, or you're going to get yourself killed. I'm not being pulled. I want to be with you. Your destiny is to be by his side. I choose my own destiny, Jackson. How can you kiss me like you did and then push me towards David? I should not have kissed you, Katie. It was not my intent. Screw your intent. I know you care for me. It has nothing to do with our emotions, Katie. People's lives are at stake. I have a hard time believing everyone else's lives are depending on who I choose to be with. Jackson let go of her hand, his eyes turning light, gray with emotion. Go, Katie. Don't come back to visit me. It's too hard to see you. Katie backed away. I know you love me, Jackson. She shook her head, lifting her chin in defiance. You can talk all you want. I know you love me. With her head held high, Katie walked out of the room, imagining herself Cleopatra the Queen of Egypt. Katie walked out of the bedroom, slowly closing the door. Turning around, she could see David studying the wall. She walked over to his side and faced the wall of paintings. Is everything all right? He asked softly, keeping his eyes on the wall. Yes. David pointed to the spot just above where the wolf separates from the tiger. I wonder what this symbol means. It looks like a crescent moon with a black bird, Katie said quietly. She walked over and studied the painting a little closer. The black bird means death. I know that because of what the maiden told me before I went to find you in the woods. You had another dream with the Indian maiden? Katie nodded. She told me the path I was taking, separating from you, will cause your death. And then it will cause everyone in my village to die. She pointed to the image of the blackbird with several images rising from the earth. David frowned, staring at the wall. Look, there are crescent moons throughout the painting. Katie looked down. There were stick figures of cats rising with a crescent moon and a blackbird just below the figures. This is where the first crescent moon is shown, she said in concentration. This is an event that has already happened. David gave a gasp. That's the attack on the pure hearts. Look, the crescent moon is present along with a black raven. The crescent moon is a representation of the malice, Katie said in wonder, realizing what David was referring to. David went back to the image above where the wolf leaves the tiger. The raven is present with the symbol of the malice. I bet this represents what we were able to accomplish in Chicago. Katie nodded. Immediately above the crescent moon was another path going towards the left and one leading to the right. This looks like another decision one of us is going to make. It leads us straight to hell or on the road to victory. David shook his head. We can't allow our emotions to get the best of us, Katie. No matter what, we have to stick together. Because it's not about how we feel. Everyone else's lives depend on it. Katie lowered her head. David may have used different words, but they were very similar to what Jackson had just told her. Katie raised her binoculars, seeing the old abandoned church more clearly. She could see the two Malice making their rounds 50 yards from the church. There's always one inside the church, Justin explained quietly. So if we attack, The one in the church could easily kill Nora while we're fighting the ones outside. Katie handed the binoculars to David, who looked into the viewers. These malice look smaller than Hank, David commented. Here, let me see them again, Katie said, pulling the binoculars away from David. I think you're right. She lowered the lenses, resting them on the tall grass in front of her. Stephen Benz didn't look big and bulky like Hank either. He just looked dirty and disgusting. Why is there a difference? Justin shrugged. If the Seekers we're going to replace them with are big Neanderthals, then Candy's mom might notice the difference. Is the one in the church big? Justin shrugged. Tell you the truth, I never noticed their sizes. I bet we could just replace them with regular Seekers and tell them they can't take a bath while they're there. We need to get this plan implemented as soon as possible. I don't like the idea of Nora in there with these monsters so close to her. The Seekers are just waiting for the all-clear sign. David nodded. Let's get three small Seekers and one large one, so we can replace the one in the church with whatever size we need. I don't see what's stopping us from going and getting Nora out right now. Let's just go down there and make the switch. Whoa, Justin said cautiously. We can't endanger the two of you. We can send others down to face the malice. David shook his head. I appreciate your concern, but Nora is my sister. Three malice is a walk in the park after Chicago. Katie nodded. I completely agree. Since we're in charge, we are ordering ourselves to do the job. We have a couple of hundred pure hearts and seekers willing to jump in and do whatever is necessary. Justin argued. The generals are supposed to stay back where it's safe and give the orders. I don't work that way, David said casually. Since the powers that be know that, they must have accepted the fact I was going to put myself on the front line. Katie nodded. Get the cigars in place, then we'll go down. Justin shook his head. Jackson's not going to like this. Jackson's Jackson's not in in charge. They both looked at each other and grinned. Katie projected the three of them not present. As they cautiously approached the malice, coming out into the clearing, it was obvious they could not be seen or smelled. Giving David a quick thumbs up, they proceeded to the church. Katie stood by the door as David reached for the knob. The smell was the first thing that hit Katie's senses. It smelled of rotten meat along with mold and mildew. She hesitated, afraid to enter and find Nora dead inside. It must have crossed David's mind too, because he reached out for her hand. It was dark. She decided to transform into a wolf she could see better in the church. David and Justin followed her example. Katie lifted her nose and sniffed the air. Her sensitive nose could distinguish between the rotten meat smell and the presence of another animal. She walked carefully, not making a sound, keeping her projection strong. They came upon the malice, sleeping in animal form. David directed Justin to stand over it, to kill it, if it woke up. David raised his nose cautiously, sniffing the air. He proceeded forward, with Katie following close behind. Katie realized they were approaching the baptismal font. David peered over the small railing. Katie quickly peered in at Nora. She was filthy, but alive, sleeping on the hard floor. Immediately changing into human form, Katie swung over the railing, sliding down on her haunches. She shook Nora's shoulders gently. Nora woke up with a startled look. Recognizing Katie, she started crying, hugging her tightly. Justin, kill the bastard! Katie could hear a fight begin outside and inside the church. By the time she'd gotten Nora out of the font, everything was quiet again. Katie wrapped her arms around Nora and walked her out of the church alongside a white tiger. Justin came up to them, grinning. Too bad there weren't more of them. The fight was over before even started. nodded. As she watched the tiger go into the woods to change into some new clothes, David emerged a few minutes later, grabbing a crying Nora, holding her tightly. Lizzie took me! Nora started saying through her sobs, It was Lizzie! David gritted his teeth, holding Nora. I know, and I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Nora. It's my fault. It's my entire fault. Katie put her hands on her hips. Give yourself a break, won't you? Lizzie Hawk should have been the last person to turn traitor. David looked at her, giving her a tight smile. The next time you try and tell me something and I don't listen, just knock me in the head. I did that, Katie said with a grin. I think I broke my finger. Hi, this is Diana Kilpak. If you are enjoying this series and would like to help support it, I have created a pod fan and Patreon account where you can donate. The best thing you can do is tell your friends and family about this series and let them participate. Until next week, when our imaginations meet again, have a great day.